Let's turn to Hebrews 11, verse 1. We always depend on the notes, and the, the, the writing paper. Um, right at the back of Sorry. Right. They've got pens out, but... If you want to go up front and ask them for a tablet real quick, maybe, or, uh, but yeah, I didn't. No, it's all right. Uh, Hebrews 11. 11. So I'm going to, um, now. Let me just minimize this for a minute. So, uh, today we're going to talk about uh, what is Bible faith. I think I'm going to actually change the name of this to what is the God kind of faith. What is the God kind of faith? Because we're not talking about man-made faith. Uh, we're not talking about uh, what some denomination believes, the faith of some denomination. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Bible faith, which is the God kind of faith, which is uh, the kind of faith that uh, we're uh, instructed to live by and follow in the steps of. Um, so let's look at verse 1 here. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In the last session, we'll just quickly review. We talked about three reasons why the just shall live by faith. Number one, uh, faith is the way God operates. It's the way God has always functioned throughout eternity past, uh, and will continue to an eternity future. We talked about how Bible faith is not the tenets or belief of a particular denomination. It's not a theological position. It's not a group or a movement that's popular for a period of time and then it loses its momentum. Uh, if faith was a movement, then it's the longest running movement in the history of the world because God was operating by faith uh, long before we ever got here. So it's not a passing fad, it's the lifestyle of the believer. We looked at Ephesians 5.1 that says, be followers or imitators of God as dear children. So God has called us his children to imitate him and to follow his example of living by faith. Uh, the second 
uh, reason we looked at uh, the just shall live by faith is because faith is the only way to please God. Grace is all that God has already provided for us, his children. And God's not pleased if we're not overcoming. He's not pleased if we're suffering under physical or financial uh, difficulties and our needs are not met. It, it frustrates him or it displeases him uh, when we don't receive what he's already provided for us by grace. So just like any parent wants the best for their children, then God is no different. It pleases God and it blesses him when we overcome and we live in victory. And the third reason we looked at why the just shall live by faith is faith is the only way to access and enjoy what God has already prepared for us. Now, as you probably know, religion teaches <coughs> that suffering and doing out without is what pleases God. Uh, religion implies that if you enjoy something, it must be sinful. Uh, but John 10.10, 10, in the Amplified Translation, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So what grace has already provided, we must possess by faith. We looked at 1 Timothy 6, 12. Uh, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. We lay hold of things that we cannot see by faith in our spirit. Anything uh, that you can find in the word that God has already promised us, this is, uh, this is how we, we receive it. We lay hold of it with our faith in our spirit. <clears throat> and the fight that he's talking about here, the fight of faith, is resisting the devil when he comes to try to talk us out of it. Uh, and, and the way he does that primarily is through thoughts and feelings. He'll try to, to try to talk you out of it. So faith fights involve uh, resisting every wrong thought and every wrong feeling. And this is how we become an overcomer. Now today, uh, like I said, we're going to look at... Uh, some characteristics of what is the God kind of faith, the, the faith that, that we're instructed to follow, the people of faith in the Bible we're instructed to follow and imitate. Uh, what, what is this faith? So that's what we're going to look at today. So Hebrews 11.1 1 here, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Young's literal translation says, and faith is of things hoped for, a confidence of matters not seen, a conviction. The complete Jewish Bible says, trusting is being confident of what we hope for, Convinced about things we do not see. 
The Living Bible says, What is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. The New Century Version says, Faith means being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we do not see it. <clears throat> uh, NTE, I think that's, I'm not sure, New Testament in English or something, I'm not sure. What then is faith? It is what gives assurance to our hopes. It is what gives us conviction about things we can't see. Now make a note of these words that describe faith that we kept seeing reoccurring over and over in these different translations and different definitions of faith because this scripture here really gives us a definition of what the God kind of faith is. So make a note of these words that we've seen re reoccur over and over here. Confident. Assurance. Conviction. Convinced. Trusting. Knowing. Sure, these are all words that describe faith, the God kind of faith. In the, uh, the uh, actual Greek, if you go to a lexicon and you look up the word faith, it means to be persuaded. So I guess if you had to sum it up in one word, it would probably be persuasion. But all of these words are really synonyms for the same thing. God's warranty or divine guarantee that it's so. Uh, I didn't get the Amplified up there, but the Amplified says, now faith is the assurance, title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed. There's where the Greek comes in there. And the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So if you are assured or persuaded about a thing or, or somebody, then you trust it or you trust them. In the Greek, the word faith here also means faithfulness. Faithfulness. You can have faith in people and they will let you down. But God is faithful. He is completely reliable. Hebrews 6.18 says it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, he can be trusted. 
So the God kind of faith is faith or confidence in a person who is God. That's really what it is. It's faith or confidence in a person. It's not just a formula or a uh, principle uh, on its own. It's, it, it's who's behind the principle. Who's, who's behind the promise? So faith is really uh, uh, confidence and faith in God and his reliability and his trustworthiness to do what he says he will do. If God says he will do it, we can expect it to happen no matter what it looks like or what it feels like. So uh, assurance, we, we see the word here assurance in this verse. It's not based on positive thinking. We mentioned previously that faith is not just positive thinking, although it can have a positive effect on your mind. Uh, but assurance is based on the will of God, which is the revealed word of God. So uh, let's turn to Romans 4. Romans 4. And we'll see an example uh, one of the major examples of, of faith, our father Abraham is a premier example of living and walking by faith. So we'll just look at uh, this example in Romans. Paul is referring back to this uh, Abraham's life back in Genesis and he's telling us about it. Romans 4:16. Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed not to that only which is of the law but to that also which is the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. So all of those who have put our faith in Jesus, um, Galatians 3.29 says, uh, if you're in Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise? Galatians 3.7 says, they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So Abraham is called our father of faith. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before God, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Underline that phrase, strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform or to perform it. 
to perform what he had promised. So verse 21 here gives us the definition of the God kind of faith. It's being fully persuaded. It's being convinced. It's being assured. Uh, if you have faith or confidence in something or someone, then uh, you're persuaded about it. You're persuaded about them. You're not wishy-washy back and forth about it. You're not wavering. You're not wondering. You're not vacillating about it. You're convinced about it. You're sure about it. You're not in the process of still making up your mind. You've already made up your mind. Uh, you've considered what's been said. You've uh, heard what's been said about the, the person or the situation. And you've come to the conclusion that that thing or that person is reliable and that you can trust it or you can trust that person. <clears throat> now, in order to become fully persuaded, we have to overcome wavering. Now, um, verse 20 in the NET, which I think is the New English translation, says, He did not waver in unbelief about the promise of God. Abraham did not waver in unbelief about the promise of God. Let's say this together. Wondering... Wondering. Is wavering. Is wavering. One more time. Wondering, wondering is, is, wavering. is wavering. So when we say, I wonder how God's going to do it. I wonder why it hasn't already happened. That's wavering, okay? So that's a good little phrase to remember. And, and when you um, when you catch yourself doing that, the Holy Spirit will immediately remind you of that. Wondering's wavering. So you'll say, no, I'm, I, forgive me, Lord, I'm not wavering. I'm, I'm sure, I'm confident. Uh, you know, when, when one day you're saying maybe it's God's will, the next day maybe it's not. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Uh, I wonder how God's going to do it. This is vacillating back and forth. Uh, and, and as long as you're vacillating back and forth and wavering, then you're not fully convinced yet. You're not fully persuaded yet. Now the cure is to take a promise of God, a scripture that, that you're standing on that, that covers your situation, and to meditate on that scripture and roll it over and over in your mind and see yourself with it. And... Um, See yourself having it. Seeing yourself do these things. Hear God say it to you over and over and over. To, it means, meditate means to mutter or to, to roll, revolve in the mind. It means to, to speak to yourself. So, so it, roll it over in your mind like God's saying to, this, to you over and over and over. Uh, and you come to the place where you see yourself with it. And, and this is a process, this meditation on the Word is a process we don't really hear too much about, uh, as important as it is, but it's a process of coming to the place where we get 
persuaded and convinced about God's will uh, and, and convinced that it's ours and it belongs to us. And we can stop wavering and vacillating back and forth. Now, um, verse 2021 here says, uh, talking about Abraham, he was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. Let's say that together. Fully persuaded. Strong in faith. Say it together. Strong in faith. Fully persuaded. Amen. So when healing is manifested, God is glorified. There are some Christian circles that teach that God gets glory out of people being sick. That is not true. That's a lie from hell. God gets glory when healing is manifested. God gets glory when our needs are met. F.F. Uh, Bosworth, who wrote the book Christ the Healer, he said, faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So that's step one, really, in becoming persuaded. We've got to find out what the will of God is. And then we've got to get fully persuaded about it and, and not waver and vacillate back and forth. If you don't know whether it's God's will for you to be healed, then you can't have faith for healing. If you don't know if it's God's will for you to be able to pay your bills and, and uh, you know, have all sufficiency, then you can't have faith that God will meet your needs. So uh, Abraham became fully persuaded. We, we know for a while he did waver and he did struggle for a while, but he didn't have the Bible like we have either. <laughs> Abraham didn't have the Bible. So it took God a while to... To, to help him, you know, and he had to give him some physical things to look at, like the stars and the sand and things like that, to, to help him begin to, to uh, visualize and to see himself uh, with being, being the father of many nations and having uh, descendants like the stars of the sky while... At the time, he had no children. So he did struggle for a while, but he came to the place where he was fully persuaded. And none of these heroes in Hebrews 11 questioned the will of God. They were convinced about what God said he would do and what he wanted them to do. So when we're, que we're vacillating, and we're questioning back and forth about whether it's God's will for us to have something or his willingness to do it, then we're not persuaded yet. Uh, we live in a world surrounded by people who are confused and they ch constantly change their mind and their commitments. Uh, but getting full of the word and building a consciousness on the inside of us Concerning God's revealed will, this, the word of God is God's revealed will to us, um, then this is how we can become strong and stable and immovable. And we're not being tossed around and back and forth and in and out and so forth. And we can lay hold and receive. 
Now let's turn uh, to James chapter 1 where it goes into a little bit more detail about this. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So, uh, here he's talking about asking God for what you need. In this particular uh, verse, he's talking about wisdom, which is something we all need. And wisdom is just uh, basically knowing what we need to do, knowing which way to go. How, how do I do this? How is this going to turn out? And then once we get direction on that, then... Uh, all we need is just the next step to go in that direction. So that's, that's how we access the wisdom of God. And God said if we need wisdom, ask him and he'll give it to us and he won't make fun of us. That's what it means he upbraids not. It means he won't make fun of you for not knowing and he won't make fun of you for not, for, he won't make fun of you for asking. Verse 6. But let him ask in faith. In other words, let him ask persuaded. Let him ask assured. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, or with the wind. Driven with the wind and tossed. So water moves with the wind. Water moves wherever the wind's blowing on it. If, if, the, if the wind's blowing from the south, then the, the water's going to move from the south. It's subject, the water's subject to wherever the wind is blowing. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So wavering is the opposite of being persuaded. It's the opposite of being confident and assured. Uh, one day if we're believing, maybe it's the will of God for me to have it. Uh, but then somebody told me, maybe it's not God's will. Somebody at church told me, maybe God's trying to teach me something. Um, up one day, down the next, in faith one day, out the next. This is what causes instability. This is what causes us to be moved and to be unstable and, and to waver. Uh, and being unsure is what causes this instability and the wavering back and forth. But in order to become stable, we have to overcome confusion. We have to overcome wrong teaching. We have to overcome our own feelings and get rooted and grounded in the Word. Hebrews 6.18 says it is impossible for God to lie. So God does not change. His Word does not change. Uh, God doesn't upgrade His Word every few years. 
you know, like on a computer, you upgrade a system uh, or, or a platform or you update a, an app, app or something on your computer uh, to a better version. God doesn't update his word uh, to fit the 21st century culture. God's not going to change his word. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't, I didn't uh, write this down, but you can write it down. Psalm 119.89. Psalm 119.89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So knowing that God cannot lie and knowing his character, uh, Hebrews tells us it's an anchor for your soul. It's an anchor. What does an anchor do? It holds a ship steady. So the wind's not tossing it around all over the place. It's not being driven out from the shore. It's not being you know, move. That anchor is what holds that boat in place, even in the middle of high wind and storm. Hebrews 6.13 says, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. So God would have to cease to exist if he ever broke his word. He swore by himself because there, was, there wasn't anybody else any higher. So when we get a revelation of this and we get our mind renewed to it, we become uh, immovable and unshakable and we, we get settled on what his will is. Uh, and when something negative comes along unexpected, maybe a bad report or something, you know, we can say, well, that's not the final word. Amen? Isn't that right, Ann? Yeah. That's not the final word. I got the final word. Yeah. Amen? I got the final word. That may be man's opinion, but it's not the final word. Amen? And you can say this is just another opportunity to prove that God's word is true. And God has never let me down before. And he's, he's never failed before. So this is just another opportunity to prove God's word is true. Well, how can we say that? Because it's impossible for God to lie. And uh, he's completely trustworthy. His word is forever settled in heaven. Uh, he said, I am the Lord, I change not. I think that's Malachi 3.6. Uh, so when we become anchored in these... Uh, these principles, and we know uh, God's reliability and his character, it becomes an anchor for us, and we're not tossed about in and out, one day in of faith, one day out of faith. So uh, you see in the word of God, you see what you desire in the word of God, and then you have a list of scriptures to support that. And then um, you take that, you take those scriptures, and you begin to apply them to yourself, and you begin to hear God speak them to you over and over, and your heart can become fully persuaded, no longer questioning the will of God. 
When you're in faith, you have peace. Now, peace and joy are two main indicators that you're in faith. So peace and joy are kind of like gauges on your car, your dashboard. You know, you got a fuel gauge and an oil gauge and things like that. When you, when you see your, your faith or your joy level beginning to drop off, you know your, your faith is waning. So keep your joy and your faith level up. Those are two good gauges and indicators that uh, you're in faith. Hebrews 4.3 says, For we which have believed do enter into rest. For we which have believed, we're convinced, we're persuaded, enter into rest. That's peace. Rest and peace. Those are indicators that we're in faith. Let's say this out loud. Confidence and conviction. Confidence and conviction. I have faith. I have faith. My faith is strong. My faith is strong. Glorifying God. Glorifying. Like Barbara said earlier. Amen. Now let's turn a couple of pages over to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. How? Without wavering. <coughs> Let us hold fast the profession. Uh, some translations say confession of our faith without wavering. So, how are we able to do that? How are we able to hold fast to our confession of faith without wavering? Just like I said. Read the rest of the sentence. Because he is faithful that promised. That's how we can do it. That's how we can hold fast to our profession of faith without wavering. Because the one that promised is faithful. He's completely trustworthy. Amen? Now, you can tell if you're being moved by your words. If you begin to waver, the first place it's going to show up is in your mouth. Okay, so that's another good indicator and reminder. <laughs> it's a good reminder. <coughs> One of the strategies of the devil is to manipulate your circumstances and create a situation to try to get you to stop your confession of faith. He wants you to say, I don't have it. I thought I have had it, but I don't have it. He wants you to say it's not working. And he's very crafty at manipulating uh, circumstances and things in the natural, which is where he is limited to. He's limited to things in the natural. Uh, and he will manipulate things in the natural to try to convince us uh, that it's not working. And stop, not be convinced about the word, but be convinced that, that uh, the word's not working, 
Your faith is not working. This is his strategy. But if God's word doesn't change, then our confession shouldn't change. If we're persuaded today, we should be persuaded tomorrow. If God's word was true yesterday, it's just as true today. And it will be just as true tomorrow. So when something negative comes up that we weren't expecting, um, the first thing that should come out of your mouth is that doesn't change the word. Amen? So when you hear that stuff, Ann, that you were talking about, you say that doesn't change the word. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. When you hear that negative stuff. I've got another meeting with them coming up, and I need to listen to everything that you're saying now. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Because I'm being attacked by the devil to not believe. Well. And I do. That, I, I know it's done, it's finished. Yeah, amen, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So in order to hold fast to our confession, first of all, we have to hear from the Lord. And that can be a verse of scripture. Uh in the word that's quickened to you and and what I you know what I mean by quicken you you may have read something before but you read it today and it just jumps off the page at you and uh, um, it's like I heard uh, brother Gordon give that example one time about the lady who was in the uh, the hospital uh, and she had something wrong with her foot and uh, uh, the doctors had told her they were going to have to amputate it. And uh, she was, obviously she didn't want that. So uh, she was reading along in the book of Proverbs, and I don't remember the specific scripture right now, but it says, he will not suffer your foot to be removed. And when she, when she read that, that verse jumped off the page at her. And now that's what it means to quicken a word to you. Yeah. And she says, that's my word. And that's the word that she wrapped her arms around and she held fast to it. Now that's what we do, whatever our situation is. We, uh, we, we find a word like that. And we wrap our arms around it, and, the, and we tell the devil, no, I've got it. And no matter what he tries to create around us with our thoughts and feelings, we, we hold fast to that confession. It might not necessarily be a verse of scripture. It could just be a phrase or something. It could be uh, maybe one of these faith declarations that we, we uh, speak over our tithes and offerings or over you know, manifestations, visitations, and so forth. Whatever the Holy Spirit quickens to you, that's what you want to wrap your arms around, no matter what's going on around you. And that word will be an anchor to your soul and will hold hold you fast. <clears throat> now let's go back to our uh, original, our main text scripture, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things 
not seen. So we, we mentioned that faith has to do with confidence and being convinced about something or persuaded. What are we persuaded about? What are we convinced about? Notice the words here. Hoped for and not seen. Hoped for and not seen. Faith has to do with being persuaded about two main areas. Things that are not, oh, sorry, pushed the wrong button. Things that are not seen and things that are hoped for. Now, what do we mean by things that are hoped for? That means things that haven't happened yet. So faith is being convinced and persuaded in two main areas. Things that are not seen and things that are not yet. This is, these are the two primary areas where faith is involved. Uh, we hope for something, the substance of things hoped for. We hope for something that we don't have yet or we can't see yet. That's what we hope for. So hope has to do with the future. Now let's go to Romans 8. Romans 8, 24. <clears throat> For we're saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? So if you can already see something, you can already touch it, you don't hope for it. It's, it's, it's now. You got it. There's no faith involved. There's no hope involved. It's present. The easy to read version says, people don't hope for something they already have. People don't hope for something they already have. The Living Bible. For a man who already has something doesn't need to hope and trust that he will get it. <clears throat> now, hope, the word hope in the Greek means confident, if you look it up in the lexicon or concordance, it means confident expectation or to anticipate something. Hope means confident expectation or to anticipate. Most of the world lives and operates in the five physical senses and the reasoning associated with that. But living by faith involves seeing the unseen and not move it, being moved by what is seen. Faith involves believing 
what we cannot see and not being moved by what we do see. This is, that's really faith in a nutshell. That's, that's the operation of faith. <clears throat> I didn't make a slide, but 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, or they're temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So things that we see in the natural, they're temporary. They're subject to change, but things that are not seen last forever. So things that are not seen don't change. <clears throat> so when you're looking at things that are not seen, when you're looking at the promise of God that doesn't change, even though what's going on around you changes, even though the report may change, you don't change. Because what you're looking at is not going to change. As long as you're looking at the Word and you're looking at things not seen, you're not going to change, even though things around you may be changing. So it all depends on what you're looking at and what you're focusing on. And, and so it makes you very stable. It, it's an anchor for your soul. <clears throat> but if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. So, <clears throat> so in our, uh, in our previous uh, what went with for, uh, 24? There it is. You can see the two elements of faith here. Uh, Hang on, I think I got the wrong scripture. Uh, what I'm looking for is Hebrews 11. Anyway, I've probably gone past it. But uh, anyway, let's turn back there to Hebrews 11. Yeah, I can't excuse you, Bob. I've got to go. Yep. I can't That's fine. Uh, Hebrews 11. Where it is? What's done? Uh, Hebrews 11, 1. You can see the two elements of faith here. Things hoped for, which is not yet. Things not yet and things not seen. You can see these two elements in Hebrews 11, 1, which is our uh, primary text scripture. Things not seen and things not yet. What are we uh, expecting and waiting patiently for things not seen and things not yet. Now, if someone says, um, well, I be I'll believe it when I see it, well, it's too late to believe them because <coughs> it's already happened. You're just responding to something that's already happened. <coughs> Write this down. Faith is being convinced about things you can't see. Things that are not yet. 
Faith is being convinced about things you can't see, things that are not yet. So if you can see it and you can feel it and you already have it, faith is not involved because faith deals with things that are not seen and not yet. <clears throat> faith, let's say that together. Faith is not seen, faith is not seen. and faith is not yet. Faith is not yet. <clears throat> uh, I had planned to kind of go through this whole uh, story here, but I'm going to cut it a bit short because of time. But let's turn to John 20. <coughs> we looked at um, we looked at Abraham, who's our uh, premier example of faith, and here in John 20, we get a premier example of unbelief with our brother Thomas. When he, uh, you know, after Jesus is raised from the dead, <clears throat> in verse um, 24, I don't have a slide for this, but <clears throat> John 20, 24, but Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. Now what, what could Thomas have said there? He could have said, Praise God. He's, a, he's alive, just like he told us. He, he's a, been raised from the dead, just like he told us he was going to be. But that wasn't his response. Uh... Now, Jesus had already appeared to the other ones when Thomas wasn't there. And now the disciples are telling Thomas, we've seen him. And Thomas says, except I shall see the, his hands in the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now, you can see the nature of unbelief in this verse. It's unwilling and it's stubborn. There's a defiance. It's negative. Unbelief is always negative, and it's a, a defiant stubbornness. Uh, the disciples are eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection, and they're telling Thomas that, he has, that they have seen him. And Thomas says, I don't care what you say, and I don't care what you see until I put my finger in those, uh, until I touch those fingerprints, those nail prints, and until I touch his side where he was pierced, I will not believe. Now you can hear the, the unwillingness and the stubbornness to believe. Um, he says, I'm not going to believe till I see something and I feel something. And this also reveals that faith is a choice. It's a willingness to believe God. So Thomas's insistence that he had to have some physical evidence, some physical proof that Jesus was raised from the dead before he believes it. In uh, verse 27, Jesus said, okay, okay, reach here, put your finger in the prince, put your hand in my side, and be not faithless. 
Jesus said, your insistence to see something and feel something before you believe, Jesus called it faithless. It, it was also a sense of disrespect to insist on seeing evidence before that he was before he was willing to believe. There's there's no there was no trust involved here. There's no when when once he's once and then it goes on to say Thomas answered once he touched Jesus, he said, "My Lord and my God." Well. Uh, He's just responding now to what he's felt and, and what he's experienced. There's no trust involved there. Uh, <clears throat> you know, um, but we can't be too critical about Thomas because we've all done it ourselves. Uh, we have the benefit of looking back at his example. So, so we, we have the benefit of this, but this was recorded for us because it applies to every generation uh, and everybody in every generation <clears throat> so when it comes to what God said we need to be saying I will believe we need to choose to believe when it comes to what God said obviously we don't need to be believing everything that everybody tells us that's obvious but when it comes to what God's already said the, the, the first thing we need to say is, well, I believe. Verse 27, Jesus said, put your hand in my side and be not faithless, but believing. The uh, contemporary English version says, stop doubting and have faith. The Passion Translation says, don't give in to your doubts any longer, just believe. The Amplified Classic says, stop your belief, stop your unbelief and believe. Stop your unbelief and believe. <clears throat> so Thomas said, when he touched him, he said, my Lord and my God, he's just responding to something. He's, he's just now responding to what the disciples had already told him eight days ago. He's eight days behind. Verse 29, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have what? Not seen. Isn't that what we've been saying the whole time? Faith involves being persuaded about things that are not seen and not yet. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus said, okay, you touched me, you've seen me, now you believe, big deal. Is this the God kind of faith? No. This is not the God kind of faith that demands evidence, that demands proof, that demands I see something or feel something before I believe what God said. <clears throat> That's not the God kind of faith. <clears throat> the blessing is when you believe and you don't see it yet. That's what Jesus just said. Verse 29, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. That's where the blessing is. This, this so impresses God. This so honors God 
that, that we would believe him, we would believe his word in the face of no physical evidence. <clears throat> Nothing's changed, no physical proof. This blesses God. This, I believe this gets him up off of his throne and standing up. Amen. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> like you're at, at a ball game or something and you're watching your kids play ball and you're standing up and screaming, go for it. You know, come on, boys, go for it. Uh, let them have it. You know, keep moving that ball forward. You can do it. You can, you can put it in the goal. I believe this gets God up off his feet when he sees his, his people in the face of, of adversity stand up and say, I don't need to see anything. I don't need to feel anything. I believe what God says. I believe what has not happened yet. I believe what is not seen. Amen? This glorifies God and honors him. Abraham looked at the stars when he had no kids, you know, and he said, I believe it. He got to the point where he was fully persuaded. It says he staggered not at the promise of God. He said, I believe it anyway. Abraham believed God when it was not seen and not yet. And this is where the blessing is. This is what honors God. This is what glorifies God. This is what pleases God. Amen? And, and it pleased God so much. It pleased God so much, Abraham's response. It says God credited to him for righteousness, and God called him his covenant friend. So let's say this together. I don't have to see. I don't have to see. I don't have to feel. I don't have to feel. Even though we've not seen. God said it. I believe it. We honor God. We trust Him. I'm strong in faith. Glorifying God. 